This week's sermon is entitled Dancing with Danger. And uh, although it's maybe not a real popular topic, what I'm talking about is being mistreated by authority. And it's so important that we know these principles from the Word. How do you handle it when people who are in authority hurt you in the workplace? Parents, spiritual leaders, what, what's, what's the biblical precedent that God gives us for navigating those waters? 1 Samuel 18, we pick up this story of David and Saul. Saul's the king. David killed the giant. You remember that? He's winning battles. He's becoming really popular in the country. And it says, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home, after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, and here's where a problem started for King Saul, jealousy. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry and refrained, galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul was after him, trying to kill him, as we'll see in this text, and prevent him from coming into power. When people mistreat you, it's hard not to hit back, isn't it? It's hard not to strike back. I read a story this week about a lady who went to the doctor, and the doctor came back, and he said, the test confirm it, ma'am, you do have rabies. She pulled out her iPad and started to write, and he thought, oh, no, she's writing her will. She thinks she's going to die. And he said, ma'am, you know there's a a cure for rabies. You're not going to die. She said, oh, I know that. I'm just making a list of the people I'm going to (laughs) bite. And if we're not careful, we'll go through life thinking about people who've wronged us and our, our thoughts will be preoccupied, preoccupied rather with biting and striking back. It feels good to bite, but it never works out well when we do. Let's pray before I share the rest of this. Father, come now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Reveal truth that helps us navigate, Lord, these difficult times in life when authority hurts us. Show us, God. And touch our hearts, I pray, that we might be blessed in a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things I have from this scriptures today I want to share with you. Uh, three things to remember in life when it comes to being mistreated by authority. And the first is this. It may not seem profound, but it's helpful. Everyone gets wounded by authority at some point in their lives. Nobody escapes it. We're all going to get hurt. There's going to be wrong things said, abusive things done when it comes to leadership. 1 Samuel 18.10, we pick up the story of these guys, and it's talking about the king. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He's the king. He was prophesying in his home while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand. Now, I want you to notice that the spear is going to show up in almost every passage I'm reading today about Saul. Saul doesn't need a spear because he's covered and surrounded by thousands of soldiers. It's a sign of authority. So when he sits on the throne, he has a spear in his hand. When he's out there in the midst of the camp, the spear is near his head because it's the sign that this is the man that has the power. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. 
Now David's done nothing but good for King Saul and for God, but he's got this guy mad at him. And David eluded him twice, it says. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success, speaking of David, because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. King Saul had started out as a man who loved God. Have you known anyone like this? And somewhere along the way, he got full of himself. They say absolute power corrupts absolutely. And he had been given a tremendous amount of power. If you remember the story in the Bible, God did not want Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king. He didn't want them looking to a, a man or a woman in power or authority. He wanted them looking to him. And I would say today for us, don't look to the government. Don't look to politicians. Don't look to other people to, be, to rescue us. There's no president in the history of the world that's done anything close to what God can do. He's the one who meets all of our needs and provides for us and helps us. And that's where we look to for uh, deliverance and victory and, and for our sustenance. And Saul had started out good, but he moved away. He didn't want God to be in charge anymore. He wanted to be in charge. Once he'd been a great king who followed God, and now he was just going to do whatever he wanted and ignore God. There'll be leaders like that in your life. Authorities who have power even over you, who will strike out at you and try to hurt you, ignore you, say wrong things about you. And it helps to know that you're going to get hammered at some point. You're going to get hurt. It helps to know because your dad says, your father in heaven, there would be days like this. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. Here's some ways that authority can hurt you. Constant criticism. Too forceful with you. Accusing you of something you didn't do. Lying about you. Jealous actions. Misjudging you firing or demoting you for unjust cause. And did you know that not, not only you and I, but even Jesus faced injustice as authority spoke to him in his life. John 19.10, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said. Now, Pilate was a Roman leader. Don't you realize I have the power to free you or crucify you? And Jesus said something that'll be really good for all of us to remember when authority comes with their, their harsh tones and and, and that authoritative uh, voice, Jesus answered, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. What he's saying is, God ultimately is in charge. And it's so good for us to remember that it's not just left to the will of man. That if we'll follow God with good hearts like David did, God will meet us and help us. Don't get discouraged. God knows where you're at and he can help you grow through this. It's not what happens to you, but what happens in you that really counts. And if you're not careful, you'll fixate on all the wrong things that are being done to you. And then your mind will move to places like revenge and thoughts of what you're going to say. And pretty soon, you're just knocked off the path that God wants you on. Because all you're doing is thinking about what someone did wrong to you and how, how you can fix that and get back and talk to others and 
Look, don't get distracted in your journey with God. Don't let someone who missed God's will make you miss it as well. I'm going to say that again. Don't let an authority who missed God's will make you miss it as well because you get preoccupied with them. When I say it's what happens in you that counts, what I mean is God can use these things. Just, just remember, he's not surprised. God knew this was going to happen. God knew that someone was going to do something hurtful to you, and yet he allowed it. Why? Because I'll just tell you, I don't know of a great president, a great leader, a great pastor, a spiritual authority ever who was a great one without having tremendous trials that they had to navigate through in their earlier times. God uses hard times to build us up, to strengthen us. Do you know that passage in Corinthians that talks about going through hard times and it says, comfort others with the comfort you've received. So as we go through hard times, we learn how to help people. We learn how to, you know, I've had, I've had spiritual authority be pretty, pretty rough on me. And a lot of what I've learned is what not to do. Those are lessons too in life. And so God will use these times. And, and here's what I'm saying. Don't fixate. Don't make it about them. Don't get tunnel vision. Stay on track or you'll get a vengeful heart that will derail you. Judith Virus wrote a children's book called All Fix Anthony. And in this book, the younger brother is complaining about the way the older brother is treating him. And I, 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 I just liked it. I thought it was kind of cute because at the very base of human nature is, is getting back and revenge, right? And we can see it in children. And, and, and here it is. This, this little guy's fixated on his brother. Here's what the children's book says. My brother Anthony can read books now, but he won't read any books to me. He plays checkers with Bruce from school, but when I want to play, he says, go away or I'll clobber you. I let him wear my Snoopy sweatshirt, but he never lets me borrow a sword. Mother says, deep down in his heart, Anthony loves me. Anthony says, deep down in his heart, he thinks I stink. Mother says, deep, deep down in his heart, where he doesn't even know what Anthony loves me. And Anthony says, deep, deep down in his heart, he still thinks I stink. When I'm six, I'll fix Anthony. When I'm six, I'll float, but Anthony will sink to the bottom. I'll dive off the board, but Anthony will change his mind. I'll breathe in and out when I should, but Anthony will only go glug, glug, glug. When I'm six, my teeth will fall out, and I'll put them under the bed. And the tooth fairy will come and take them and leave dimes. Anthony's teeth won't fall out. He'll wiggle and wiggle them, but they won't fall out. I might sell him one of my teeth, but I might not. Anthony is chasing me out of the playroom. He says I stink. He says he's going to clobber me. I have to run now, but I won't have to run when I'm six. When I'm six, I'll fix Anthony. I read that and I thought, you know, we're, we're just kind of like that. If we're not careful, all we can think about is what someone else did and then we're just going to get them back. That is not where you need your thoughts to go in tough times. You don't even need to be fixated on, on, on punishment coming to them. Because the Lord is in control of your life. He won't let anything happen to you that will damage you. And he'll use things to build you up. If you're not careful, not only will you hurt yourself when you fixate on revenge and getting back, but you'll hurt others around you. Hebrews 12.15 says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here's what that means. If you think about it so much that you get bitter, now you're in trouble. Now you've hurt your own life. But if you live there in bitterness 
you're not only hurt, hurting your own life, you're going to defile others now. Might be a good time to talk about political conversations around the table. Did you know you can, you can embitter kids that are listening when you talk in angry tones about people who don't believe the way you believe? Those conversations with your little kids listening around a table, if they turn to your boss and how rotten that boss is, if you're not careful, you're building in them an anti-authority attitude where they themselves will start to think all bosses are creeps and, and, and they ju- they're just trouble and I, I'm not going to give them the time of day. And listen, it's hard to be a boss and good ones are hard to find. To start with a negative attitude in a relationship makes it very difficult for things to go well. You're hurting your children when you do that. Spiritual leadership. Hey, I, you're going to hear me talk about spiritual leaders who make mistakes and do things wrong here in just a little bit, so I'm not trying to justify anything, but if you're not careful, if your kids or people around you hear you talking about spiritual leaders like they're dogs, then that's what they're going to think about spiritual leadership, and they won't let anybody bless their lives and help them as they grow. That would not be to their benefit. Don't let yourself get bitter. Don't go there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we should be people who forgive. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So your boss, your parent, your pastor, they've made mistakes. Perhaps they've sinned. Will you forgive them? Would you want to be forgiven? Do you want the Lord to forgive you? You say, yeah, but they, they, they just get off the hook. No, we'll talk about it in a moment. We're not letting them off the hook because God is in control. What I'm saying to you is trouble will happen. Don't fixate on the problem, on the person, on what's happening to you, or you will get derailed in your life. I say this because um, I've worked with a number of pastors as leaders. When I was district youth director for the Assemblies of God, there were uh, two, over 200 churches that I worked with across the state of Oregon, over 74 part-time youth pastors, and believe me, I've seen a bunch of them get hurt through the years. I've seen some of the best get sidelined, and because they were hurt, they pulled out and they quit. And I'm going to tell you something, they were a bigger problem than the leader who hurt them because they quit. You've heard me say before, the best thing I've ever done is not quit. Just because someone does something wrong, does that mean we're supposed to quit? Are we going to let them define what the Lord's going to do in our lives? Don't do it. Hang in there. And I've seen men and women move to the sidelines and, 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 and just give up and say, forget it, that hurt too much, I'm not going again. I wouldn't recommend that because God has a plan for your life. I wouldn't recommend that just because you get hard means you'll never be productive because everyone who's ever done anything for God got hit hard by spiritual leadership somewhere. Don't let it derail you. Second thought here, and it's a spiritual principle that's profound in the Bible. It does not match the worldly philosophy. But the second thought is don't throw the spear back. Pick up the story in 1 Samuel 26. So David and Abishai, and Abishai is his nephew here, went to the army. So they snuck into Saul's camp. Saul's chasing them through the desert. And just the two of them go in and they find Saul in the middle of the camp. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with this spear. There it is again, that authority symbol. Stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abner is the commander of his soldiers. 
and a, and a great warrior. Verse 8, Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Seems logical, doesn't it? We got him. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice, which means I'll get him good the first time. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. And later we'll see he's going to show him, show Saul that he had the ability and the, and the opportunity to kill him, but he didn't take it. Abishai looked at Saul, once a man of God, a leader of God who had moved away from God, and he saw an opportunity to hit him hard and to kill him. David looked at him, and of all things, he saw the Lord's anointed. There's something about position in the Bible that God wants us to honor. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm just telling you a Bible. God in no way wants to justify Saul. As a matter of fact, God takes care of Saul pretty good. We're going to see that. But what God is telling you and I is don't step up to try to do my work for me. I'm very capable. The reason God tells us not to throw the spear back is this. The spear is whatever they're hurling at you. Accusations, lies, uh, wounds, pain. You know, you just, you just want to come right back at them and get in their face or go to other people and talk about them like they talked about you. But if you choose to throw the spear back, here's what will happen. It'll only feel good for a moment. You'll lose favor with your peers and others in authority. You'll lose God's covering. You'll lose favor with others around you. You'll hurt your short-term and your long-term future. Those examples are all through the Bible. And we've seen them in life. Have you heard of Zinedine Zidane? He was one of the best soccer players in the world. He led the French national team to the World Cup championship in 1998. Eight years later, Zidane reported that he would retire after 2006, retire from the World, World Cup and the French team was not expected to go far, partly because Zidane was older now and rumored to have lost a step. But he proved them wrong. In France's second round match against Spain, he was instrumental in the team's victory over highly ranked Brazil in the quarterfinals. In the semifinal match against Portugal, Zidane scored the game-winning goal on a, on a penalty kick. When the smoke cleared, Zidane, Zidane rather, had led his team to a second world championship game this time against Italy. Things started out brilliantly for the superstar in what would have been the final game of his amazing career. However, his temper got the best of him. During the first half of overtime play in the World Cup Championship, Zidane had a verbal confrontation with the Italian defender. Take a look at the video and see what happened. Zidane is absolutely stupid. Eyes are all upon him, one of the greatest players the world has ever seen. Alright, there's a bit of hold in there, there's a few ones. He he's actually smiling at Matarazzi, he goes past him, he said something there, and then he just turned and absolutely crazy. That's hideous, yeah. For whatever Zidane has done great in the game, if France don't win this game tonight, I'm afraid all that might be forgotten, and that is the 
image that people will remember of Zinedine Zidane. I mean, what is he doing? That is absolutely outrageous. He's, he's, he's lost his marbles there. That's, that's just crazy. He's walked past the um, trophy there. Will he get his hands on it? Will he be allowed on the... Um, well, I'm not sure will he actually be, be allowed to go up and collect whatever medal... I use that particular clip because he walked by the prize. Well, he didn't get it. In overtime, because he lost his composure, not only did he hurt himself, he hurt others around him. You know, I think of people, and I, I just want to throw this out there. You know, there are some people who say, well, they're trying to take our church. And listen, it's not their church, but I want to tell you something. It's not your church either. This is God's church. Any church out there is God's church. And, and you know what good leaders will do? Let me take it to leadership for a moment. If it means that the baby is going to be cut in half, they'll walk away from the baby because they love the fellowship. And I think the people of God should have the same heart. I'm not saying that what spiritual leaders do is okay because it's not. We can vote with our feet. We can pray. We can go in private. There's a number of things we can do that are very appropriate. And, and, and we, we can even talk to them straight ahead in those private settings. But Romans 12 shows us, and Zidane, I mean, that's what he's going to be remembered for forever, is losing his composure and losing a great battle rather than being one of the greatest soccer players ever in the world. Romans 12, 17, here's the principle, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I like the way that this says it in the... Um, in another version, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. I believe that's the NIV. So all we can do is, is what depends on us from our end. Dear friends, never take revenge. Now, now look at how the Lord has it. He's got it. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Do you remember I talked about forgiveness some time ago? And one of the things we struggle with for forgiveness is, is we think we're letting people off the hook, right? They did wrong, they need to pay. But I talked about when we carry unforgiveness, it's like, it's like a backpack that's full of weight and it weighs us down everywhere we go. And the truth is, forgiveness, the root of the word is to forthgive and it means to give it forth to God. It means I don't require anything to happen for me to be okay. Listen, if you've been hurt by authority and you need that authority to do the right thing for you to be okay. Here's a question for you. What if they never do the right thing? Well, here's the deal. Then you'll never be okay. You don't need them to do the right thing for you to be okay. God is big enough, big enough to heal your heart, to help you, and like he did with David, to bless you towards the future that he has for you. They can't stop it, even when they do their wrong, because God is in control. And I talked about taking that backpack off. Remember I had a... Um, a coat rack up here and I had this backpack and I said take them off your hook and put them on God's hook right because he does all things well he's got it under control he'll take care of it you think of people who've hurt you let's talk spiritual authority a moment for a moment if they've hurt you and they didn't repent because God is gracious and gives them a chance us a chance just like he gives everybody else a chance if they don't repent didn't God take care of it in the long run I mean didn't he didn't he? And how many people would have been hurt and how bad would it have got if you got out of God's will and took it on your own? Well, let them off your hook and put them on God's hook. He's got it. He'll take care of it. Revenge is mine. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. 
I like the attitude of a believer who refused to take revenge. Instead, he said, I'm going to get even. I'm going to tell God on you. And you know what? That's where you can take it. And God knows, and God cares, and God loves you, and God will take care of it. I, I think it's important, you know, I'm talking about spiritual authority, but I think it's important to know this principle of honor, honoring authority is applicable in almost all of life's scenarios. Let me mention some other authorities here. Your boss. These principles are still intact. A coach. That's an authority that should be honored. A parent, if you're living in their home, is an authority. A spiritual leader. A teacher. A professor. Look what Romans 13.1 says. It lets you know that these, these principles are intact in these relationships as well. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. What? That's just hard to figure out completely, but it's true. Even the bad ones are allowed to be there by God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God, it says. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Trouble comes. Authorities will hit you eventually. But God's word says, even though they throw spears at you, don't throw it back. You say, that doesn't feel very good. Well, the third point will help us with that a little bit. Do the right thing and God will bless you. That's the bottom, bottom line in remembering all these things. If these are God's principles, and they're true and we apply them in our lives, we will be blessed greatly. Now we see David on the other side of a hill yelling out to Saul, saying these things. Verse 22, chapter 26 of 1 Samuel. Here's the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. Remember he took it out of the camp in the evening, he wouldn't kill him. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. Now let me just say that again. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. Do you really believe that? Because that's what will stop you from striking back right there. David believed it. And he was blessed as a result. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, <clears throat> but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed. Now here's a man who realizes David could have taken his life. And Saul, who really goes in and out of his craziness to kill David, re realizes, man, he had me and he wouldn't do it. And he says, may you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. And that was true. Now here's, here's the real question for all of us. Do I trust that God is in control? Do I really believe that God will reward me for doing the right thing? The story that I'm about to tell you, I have never told in its entirety before, and I didn't think I ever would. Um, because in my mind, I had decided it, it wouldn't be appropriate. And um, as we were involved in the um, sermon-based um, home study this week, there's the group meets, and we go over the questions that you guys do in life groups, and I tell them what I'm preaching on, and they kind of assimilate it and get, get the study for, for your midweek Bible studies small groups. And um, as we talked about authority, I told him about a time that, that I got hurt. 
when I was an associate pastor. And I said, but I couldn't, I wouldn't want to tell that. And they, and they encouraged me to, to tell the story. They said, pastor, other people have been hurt too and it might, it might help them to know what you went through. So I'm going to tell this story. I, I, I prayed and I felt like the Lord gave me an okay, but, but I felt like he said no names and no locations. Um, so here we go. I was a, a youth pastor at a, um, at a church and um, a, my pastor resigned and a new pastor was coming. Uh, out of courtesy, and, and this is pastoral etiquette, I did what is probably appropriate. I submitted my resignation to the new pastor, but at the same time I let him know that if he would like to keep me on, I'd be happy to work with him. And um, he decided that he would not keep me on, that he'd bring his youth pastor from a previous location, which is not all that unusual in, in, a, in larger churches. So my thought is, hey, God's not surprised, right? I mean, all the things that happened to us, it's not like God's going, oh man, caught me by surprise. What am I going to do with that? He never once feels like that. He knows exactly what's going to happen and what we're going through. So I'm thinking, all right, he knows. He's got something for me. I'll just uh, keep my head and my heart clean and try to be a blessing on my way out of this place. So uh, he calls me in one day and, um, oh, I'm sorry, I... Uh, it was about a month before I was to leave and the new youth pastor was to come and they, they talked about, well, maybe we would let Stan be the youth pastor instead of the high school pastor. And I preached on a uh, Sunday night one night and the pastor was there and he called me into his office on Monday morning and said, you know, we thought we might have something for you, but um, after hearing you Sunday night, your ministry's just too strong and we're gonna, we're gonna have to let you go. Now, I've never heard that before. Your ministry's too strong and, you know, you're out of here. But... Uh, but I, underst I understand what he was talking about. And um, so I said, okay. And he said, I want you to resign on Wednesday night. And that was just two nights from, uh, from that meeting we were having on Monday. Now, I had applied for a position as the district youth director. I'd actually been in an interview for the Assemblies of God for the state of Oregon at the time. And we were just a few days away from knowing if I would get that position. So I said to, to the pastor, trying to help him really, because I, I want things to go well. I want the Lord's blessing on me. I don't want to hurt this guy or the church on the way out. I said, hey, what do you think about me waiting till next Wednesday night or even till Sunday? Um, because if I get this position, the kids and the families won't feel bad for me. I'll have some place I'm going. It'll make sense to them. And so I'm just trying to help him. That's all I'm trying to do. And I, I'll never forget what he said to me. Uh, he said, just resign on Wednesday night. The truth never hurt anyone. That, that phrase has rung in my ears through the years. The truth never hurt anyone. Just resign. I said, okay, pastor. So Wednesday night, I got before the youth group, and I'm telling this story. I forgot. There's a, there's a guy who was sitting there in the youth group that night that was in the church today. This was in a, it wasn't here. And um, he was sitting there, and he remembers that night. But when I got up, I tried to stay as positive as I could, told him this youth pastor was coming. He was a great guy. The Lord had something for me. And I would soon discover it. I'm just staying as positive as I can. If you know me, I like to try to do that. And, um, but I cried because you remember when Paul met on the shore as he was leaving and they cried and they hugged. And I mean, it's the way it is. When you love people and you minister to people for a season, you, emotion will be attached. But my emotion didn't mean I felt like I was getting booted. It just meant I love you guys and, and uh, you know, I'll see you around kind of deal. Well, I thought it went great. But um, the next night in a board meeting, the, the pastor asked the board, how did it, uh, how, how's it been going? And one of the board members said, um, 
Well, my son came home and said, I'm just going to quote, that sucks what pastor did to Russell. Now, I didn't say I was fired. I didn't say anything like that. Uh, but this kid, you know, in his lingo, said it to his dad. He brings it to the board meeting, and here's, here's where it happened. The pastor says at that moment in front of the whole board, verified by more than one of them to me later, I wish he hadn't done that. I told him not to resign and to wait. The only reason I did it is because he told me to do it Wednesday night. Well, that, that hurt. I tried to get a hold of that pastor for three days, and all I can tell you is it was God's will that I did not reach him. <laughs> I was trying to work through it. Now, I'm a youth pastor on my way out. Anything I say to anybody is just going to be construed as sour grapes. Nobody wants the pastor coming uh, to, to have issues. And so I prayed about it. I talked with my wife. We prayed and I said, let's let it go. Keep, keep our hearts and minds clear and move on. It hurt me. Because it hurt me. There were people that I loved that believed that I had um, gone against that spiritual authority's will and I had not. And uh, I remember during this time, you see the Lord's always there. The Lord was ministering to David over and over again in the scriptures when he was being wounded by authority, chased by authority. Someone came to me and, and you know, I'm a spirit-filled guy. Um, I believe that the gifts are for today. And um, this, this fellow laid hands on me, he was praying for me, and he, he prayed a word of prophecy. And he said that the Lord's hand is on your life and in just a few days, he's gonna put you in a position of authority. Well, I don't even have a job. A few days, how's this gonna work? Then he shared about Ziklag. He stopped and he shared about Ziklag and we'll talk about this later in David's life, but Ziklag is the city uh, out there in the middle of nowhere where it's made up of David and his family, uh, scores of them, and then hundreds of people that were in prison came to be with David and he had this comfortable little city that he ruled with just several hundred people called Ziklag. Do you remember in the Bible he comes home one day from fighting a battle, Ziklag's burned down, his wife and children are carried away and, and the people that are with him, these guys that were once prisoners and followed him, took up stones to kill him. Now David, who's already in a bad place being chased out of the kingdom and trying to be killed from Saul, now has the people that he's loved and helped trying to, trying to kill him and he goes to God and inquires, what in the world is going on? Have you ever been there? What in the world is this all about, God? I cannot see in any way how you could get glory out of this. Please help. Are you looking away? Surely you see this. Have you ever had those, those thoughts? I, I know Job did, and you know Job's never rebuked for asking God why? That the honesty of your heart towards the Lord is, is, is precious still to God. And it's okay to ask why. It's not okay to go talk to everybody and get negative. And he said, as, you know, he, he shared this story about Ziklag and he said from the moment he kneeled down in despair there at Ziklag to the moment he was anointed as king in Hebron was just three days. And he said, the Lord is gonna bring you into a position of authority. Well, God is my witness. I mean, that ministered to me for the moment though I didn't know what it meant. Within three days, that was the day after this thing had happened with this pastor. Within three days of that prophecy, I had been chosen as a district youth leader for the Assemblies of God. 
And I look back at that, and it's, you know, where it says David has slain the bear and he's slain the lion and the giant's going down. You remember that principle in the word? As I look back at those things in my life, when hard things happen, they're just reminders for me. Every place I didn't know where he was and I couldn't figure it out, if I just hold on to him, he had something wonderful that he would bring about that he had in store. And it's true for you. Listen to this. If I am faithful to the Lord, I will eventually experience his blessing for it. That's true for you and I. David said in Psalm 18, 24, now this is the same guy who was chased around and mistreated and spoken evil about. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He's got you. He knows. Don't get sidelined, preoccupied, fixated. Don't strike back. Trust him. Move forward. Focus on the goal. Otherwise, like Zidane, you'll be walking by the trophy. Nobody can stop you from reaching what God has but you. I'm the only one that can stop me from what God has if I choose not to follow and choose not to do the right thing. They can't stop you. God knows. God loves you. God's with you. So let's keep our hearts and our minds clear and clean. Let's move forward. I felt like the Lord said this in first service and I just feel like I'm supposed to share it again. I wasn't planning on sharing this. But I feel like there are people here today whose parents hurt them deeply. And I feel like the Lord is saying you're so fixated on what they've done wrong that you let it rule your life. When in actuality, God can heal your heart and your life in totality where none of the negative effects of what they did are on you anymore. And God says, let me heal you completely. And what happens when we let these things happen, when we choose to say, but I did, all that stuff, is we sit down, we sideline ourselves, and we're not on track anymore. And God says, hey, I have a hope and a future and a plan for your life. Let me take you where I want you to go so that you can be blessed and a blessing. See here in this next passage how God took care of it all in the end for David. First Chronicles 10, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. God had it. He had it. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. And by the way, consulting all spiritists and mediums away from the, the Jesus Christ and, and the truth of God is sin in the Bible. Verse 14, do not, and he did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. You know, I, I just feel like I, as far as God's got it, I, don't wanna, I know the location and it's in the Portland area, but I'm not gonna tell you. There was a pastor that was in sin and he was preaching from his pulpit and they moved into a new facility that had just been built and they put a pulpit up that was Myrtlewood pulpit that, that cost over $10,000. This was many years ago. And, and this guy was in an adulterous affair and speaking the word of God every week, living continually in sin behind the scenes. And one day, thank God Noah's in the church, the beam from the brand new building that went right across the middle fell down and splintered the pulpit into a thousand pieces. 
not long after that pastor was gone. And I hear things like that and I think, you know, God's pretty much got it. He knows what he's doing. He can, he can do, he could have split that guy's head, but he's a little more gracious than that. And, and the deal is, look, look, if, if it's a sin issue, you don't have to follow that leader. I want you to understand that. When do we separate? When, when they willfully, continually, deliberately sin and they're asking you to be part of it, you vote with your feet and you get out of there. And, 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 and you, you can do that. And, and I wish I could talk more on authority, but I only have this amount of time today. But, but understand this, God takes care of it. If we'll do our part, which is to keep our spirits right, not to attack authority even when they're wrong, but to do our best to stay on track with God, he'll take care of it like he did here. Now, uh, 11.1, all Israel came together to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel in their military campaigns. And the Lord your God said to you, you will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the rulers or all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a compact with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel as the Lord had promised through Samuel. If you don't throw the spear back, if you choose not to get bitter, if you'll trust God and believe that what he says is true and follow him, you'll gain favor with God. You'll gain favor with man. You'll be blessed in God's perfect timing. It's true he, he builds you up. It's true that he uses that pressure to make something beautiful out of your life. But it's true also in the right moment that he'll exalt you to show his hand of love and his great power. 1 Peter 3.9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for doing it. I, I didn't say this in the first service, um, but there are a number of pastors on our team, and I believe we have nine right now on the on paid pastoral staff and hundreds of ministers in this church that are, um, that, that are doing ministry in the church. But there's a number of these guys that were hurt really bad by pastors. And um, none of them should have been. <laughs> they're, they're all awesome and they didn't do it. I, I can't think of one example where they really did anything wrong. But there may have been jealousy factors, creativity, um, anointing on their lives. And, and, and I'll tell you, with all these hard things that have happened to your pastors before we got here, one of the things we've learned is, you, you, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn about what not to do. <laughs> we don't want to hurt people. We can't get our pastors here to go away. They just stay forever because we try to treat them good and we love them. We're going to have to get some young blood someday. We're all getting old. But, but we love them and we, we don't want to hurt people. And, and you know how we learn that? Some, we, we've been hurt pretty good ourselves. The enemy intends things for evil, but God can use them for good. And God will use your life and bless your life in incredible ways. What do you want to come out of you when people bump you hard? Do you want the gracious love of God to flow from your life? Or do you want bitterness to ooze from your being? We all know what we really want. Let's make sure that we stay on God's path and grace flows.